Hey, that was great to worship with you guys. We are just planting a brand new church in Reno, Nevada. And we actually have our first big public service this Sunday. And we haven't had worship in four and a half months, like actual singing, because we're doing like these pop-up services in the park. And we don't have anybody who can lead worship yet. So we're praying for that. So maybe that's you. Um, But uh, we are bringing some teams over to help us get going. But... So that, that was fun. As a matter of fact, one of the words we sang in the first song, I was actually pondering it. And this is why, by the way, when you sing worship songs, you should really actually pay attention to the words. I hope you do. And think about, think about it when you're actually listening. Like, I think later we're going to sing some more songs. Sorry, I'm way off script right now, but we're going to do this. But think about this is someone, an artist's inspiration of their relationship with God. You know, they're, they're putting their heart and soul into these words, and they're, they're describing some very practical, everyday relating or thoughts and feelings that they have related to the creator of the universe. And one of those was in the Graves in the Garden song, he talks about how, you know, you basically I can just tell you, God, you see all my problems, but you still call me friend. I think that's kind of what it said loosely. Um, think about that for a minute. The creator of the universe the person that there's nobody higher than that person who upholds every subatomic particle in the entire universe every second wants to be a friend with you. And that's actually real. We know it to be true. If you're a Christ follower, you know it to be true. It's hard for that to be real. And I think one day it will be real for us. I think that's the faith journey, is that reality becoming real? And think about the impact that has on your life. So anyways, let me get into what we're actually going to talk about tonight. And I'm really excited to be here. Um, anybody know Matt and Ellie Bustamante? Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. I'm one of their, one of them. I'm, I'm their dad, one of, one of them. So I'll let you use deductive reasoning to figure out which one, based on the fact that we have different last names. So... Um, <laughs> no, Ellie is my daughter. Um, and uh, we love Chico. We love Chico Challenge. We love Chico State. We're really happy to be here. I couldn't be more excited. You guys are, this is a special time of life. You are really important. And your walk with God and your development, your maturity and faith at these years of your life is really important. So buy this up, take it seriously. Don't drift. Figure out what you really, 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 really believe and think about this stuff. So here's a question I want to start with. Why did you come tonight? You don't have to answer that, but it's rhetorical. Why did you come tonight? Maybe you came because a friend invited you and you were curious, you know? Some of you came here to meet a guy or a girl, you know? I was in college once and that's a good thing. Some of you came just to be around the opposite sex. Um, some of you are here because you're lonely and you're hoping to actually find some friends. And guess what? That's a good reason to come to challenge. You can make friends here. Some of you are here because you really want to understand this whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing, this whole Bible thing, and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out where am I going to land with this whole thing? That's a great reason too. And some of you are here because this is your jam. Like this is your crew. These are your people. You're bought in. You might even be on some kind of leadership here. And this is like, 
this is your jam, but you all came here for the exact same reason. And here's what it is. It made sense to you. All those things I listed before were just how it made sense to you, but it made sense to you to come tonight. We do what makes sense to us, right? Tonight, Penny and I were driving over the mountains here and we were trying to figure out what to eat. And it made sense to me to eat at McDonald's. It didn't make sense to Penny. And of course, I obliged her and we didn't. It made sense for a whole lot of reasons. So we didn't eat at McDonald's because it didn't make sense to both of us. There's, we, we do things because it makes sense to us. So um, now it's one thing to understand why it makes sense for you to come to challenge. That's, that's kind of inconsequential. Inconsequential? Quinsel? Is that the right word there? But it's another thing to understand if you're considering why you would consider cheating on a paper, you know? You guys using AI? Just kidding. <laughs> um, boy, they didn't have that at all when I was in college. <laughs> Grammarly did not exist. Um, and Grammarly is like the ethical AI, right? <laughs> like, that's okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Um, but it's another thing deciding... You know, if you're a man trapped inside of a woman's body or you're a woman trapped inside of a man's body and you're going to do something about that. You know, it's important if that makes sense to you. It's another thing if it makes sense to you to get behind the wheel of a car and drive while wasted. It's also another thing to give into a moment of sexual passion that actually may have lasting impacts on your soul and your body. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to touch on one of the main sources that influences what makes sense to us, all right? Now, you've been going through Galatians, right? Your lone gospel. By the way, I love this. I brought this up here just to talk about it. This is a great graphic. I'm in the middle of approving graphics. I don't design graphics. I'm in the middle of approving graphics as we promote our new church. And so I really like this. I like the colors. I like everything about it. So you guys have been, you know, some of you have been coming here every week. You've gone through, we're at Galatians 5 now. You've gone through Galatians 4. So tell me, just throw out, yell out, what are a couple of the themes that you've heard of the lone gospel? Why is it called the lone gospel? What? One truth? Is that what you said? What else? Okay, there's conflicting gospel ideas. And then what's the one thing that it seems like Paul is really hammering home on them? What's happening to these people in Galatia? They're being told a different story, right? They're being told there's a, you guys are good, that's good, you love Jesus, but, right? Have you, have you learned that so far? Okay. I wasn't here, so. <laughs> um, but, and what's really happening is um, the people are Galatia. They're, they're people coming into Galatia and telling them that they're not good enough Christians and they need Jesus plus. And that's, you know what? It's weird how we, we as humans look for Jesus plus. It's just hard for us to imagine that he's, he's enough. 
So Paul's making such a case for the freedom that they actually have in Christ. He's making it to the point where you almost start to wonder like, can I just be a Christian and do what I want? Like he's making such a case for like the freedom that we have in Christ. So he's going to get into Galatians 5. So let's pick it up right here, right? And I'm going to start with the first verse. It says, Christ has liberated us to be free. Liberated us to be free. Okay. So stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. All right. So if you... If you are free from something, then that means what? You must have been in slavery or bondage, right? And he tells them not to submit to it. So what were they at risk of being enslaved by again? Sins, one thing. What else? Anything else? Old Testament law. Yeah, the old, he talks a lot about that. The Old Testament law. What he's going to talk about in Galatians 5, we haven't gotten there yet, so it's kind of a trick question. What he's going to talk about is being enslaved by your flesh. All right? So, your flesh. So, yep. And so, I'm going to introduce you to one of the Christians' primary enemies, all right? And this is it. Meet your flesh. He's nasty. He's strong. And guess what else? If you go to the next slide, he's been working out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he's been working out and he's strong. And so what I want you to have the image in your head of tonight is that you have this big old dog chained to you called the flesh. And he's got a desire and he's got a plan and, and a lot of stuff makes sense to them. And he's going to pull you rather than you pulling it, okay? So this is your flesh. And actually the Christian, you know, according to the Bible, the Christian actually has three enemies. Um, and your enemies are your flesh, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Another enemy is actually the devil. Um, I don't know what you've been told, but there is a devil and his name is Satan. And he has lots of demons, probably in the billions and their job is to confound your faith. It's a little bit more complex than that, but we'll keep it simple for that for tonight. And then you have the world system. That's another one of the enemies of a Christian. And the world system, here's a way I kind of like to think about it. This isn't exact, so I don't know if you should write this down. Just kidding. But um, I kind of see it as like the intersection of our collective flesh like trying to make sense out of life according to our fleshly ways and collectively as a group and establishing a methodology for life that's actually kind of heavily influenced by Satan. And that's the world system. One of my mentors says that if you think about the world system, the culture of the world, it's kind of like a skier, a water skier being pulled behind a boat. But who's driving the boat is Satan himself. And so it's our flesh being driven. Now the flesh, let's zoom back to the flesh a minute and leave the other two enemies for another talk. All right. The flesh is the part of you that actually got damaged when Adam and Eve said, screw you, God. We want to be our own God. 
And that's really what happened. Adam and Eve said, forget you. Why be under you when I can be equal to you? Why be a created being when I can be a holy being? And that's why they ate from the tree. That was their intention. Their intention was to out-God God. And their flesh was broken. And our flesh has been broken ever since. And is damaged. It's, as C.S. Lewis would say, it's bent. Maybe at one point it was straight, now it's bent. It's askew. So it's not like 100% broken. It's mostly broken. Like we still accomplish some good things in our flesh, right? But it's, it's, it's not trustworthy. So I want to introduce you. And, and by the way, that really, really, really bums me out that our flesh is damaged. And here's why. And hopefully you can identify with me on this. Is So much of my flesh makes sense to me. So much of, like, I, I can't separate myself from my flesh. I can't separate myself from my perception, my perspective on reality, my internal desires, my physicality. I just can't separate myself from it. It's constantly giving me input and saying, do this, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And it's constantly really just looking for peace and happiness and trying to avoid pain. And it's making decisions based on that, that are self-focused, self-centered, arrogant, with me at, at heart, not others. So let me show you a couple pictures of myself when I was actually your age. So here's a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I think in this one, I'm like 18, almost 19. In this one, I'm 20, okay? And if you look at my shirt, you can't see, but it says, what's important to you, question mark, you know? And that's a good question for that guy. <laughs> and this guy here, this guy, if he would have read what we're about to read in Galatians 5, 13 through 26, which I'm going to read in a couple of moments, this guy would have said, come on, Paul, you're killing me, man. You're killing my buzz. Like, what's all this talk about freedom, man? Like, I just want to follow my flesh. Freedom is following my flesh. That's what that guy would have told you. Now, two years later, that guy learned his lesson. By the grace of God, it only took two years later. That guy discovered the bondage I discovered the bondage of my flesh. I discovered the handcuffs that come with it. And maybe you have two already. I'm sure many, many, many of you have. And I'm not just talking about addictions and, you know, sexual impulses and pornography and drugs and drinking. I'm talking about even like anger, greed, cutting words to get what you want. Sneakiness. Other ways to kind of accomplish your goals that are ungodly. That make sense to the world and make sense to you, but are ungodly. This is hard for us. 
So yeah, I definitely would have said, where's all this freedom talk, man? And you know what? That really is the rub, isn't it? Here's, here's kind of the rub. Our flesh, we, we are in such bondage to our flesh that not being ruled by it seems like grueling work. It seems like grueling work. And you know what? It actually is. <laughs> it's grueling work. Anybody seen a... Um, oh man, I just lost the name of it. What's the name of the movie with Tim Robbins where he's in prison, Stephen King wrote it, and he has to tunnel out? Shawshank Redemption, thank you. <laughs> it's a lot of work getting out of prison. It's pretty hard. You guys see Prison Break? Everybody saw that, right? Just kidding. That's <laughs> um, It's a lot of work. You got to tattoo a map on your body, you know, to get out of prison if you saw Prison Break. But it's a lot of work getting out of bondage. And it seems like freedom, but it's not. So... The Galatians were actually at risk, and here's what's happening. The Galatians were actually at risk of using their flesh to accomplish being right with God. And they weren't at risk at like, like I'm not talking about like sin. I'm talking about like circumcision. You guys learned that up to this point, right? Okay. Circumcision. You don't want to do that <laughs> at an older age. And so that is really, you know, it's interesting. Here's a side story. <laughs> this actually reminds me of, of a recent story I heard. And I don't know the veracity of the story, okay? There's these guys in Reno that went to Burning Man to do this evangelistic trip, okay? You guys know what Burning Man is, right? Okay. And so they, they were sharing Christ and they actually got to go home because, you know, Burning Man is on Paiute land and they got to go home to one of the chiefs of one of the tribes there and they actually got to evangelize him and apparently he came to Christ. Now, I don't know if this is true. I'm just telling you what some guy on the street told me, okay? So, <laughs> but I did look into a little bit of what he said. And he said that the chief, he's in his, he's probably my age, late 40s. He's pretty young. And he had all these scars all over his body. And they're like, what are those scars from? He goes, well, anytime someone in the tribe comes to me and says, hey, I'm like sick or I need this or that. He goes, I have to go hang myself with these hooks on this pole and basically do all these prayers to all these deities on their behalf or else they won't be healed. I thought, boy, doesn't that remind you of something? You know, and I thought, boy, that is just like the enemy to take the truth of Jesus being on the cross, dying once and for all for us, and having a, a guy have to do it over and over and over and over again on his own, with his own flesh, mutilate his flesh, suffer on behalf of others to accomplish their redemption. That's the flesh. That's what the Galatians were at risk of doing, something like that. Doing something to earn God's approval. And Paul say, no, Jesus did it. You don't have to. So let's, let's read here. I want you to follow along with this because there is a point I want to actually get to and how to battle this flesh. 
says this, for we were called to be to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Oh man, even our flesh wants to use our freedom in Christ to serve ourselves. You know, have you ever heard that? Like, oh, I got Christian liberties, you know, like, and you do, by the way. But we tend to think with our Christian liberties, we tend to think what pleases me, not what pleases others or God. So we still are thinking of our flesh, with our flesh. Um, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law, this is amazing here. And he's talking about the whole Jewish law, everything, everything. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. And it's actually like seven words, but said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, which happens when we depend on our flesh to relate, to get what we want in relationships. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, and here's our freedom, walk by the Spirit. And guess what? If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Guys, if there is any passage in the Bible, actually, this isn't true, but we're going to put this on a high level. If there are different passages in the Bible that are so worth your study to figure out what it means and what it actually looks like to apply this to your life, it's those words, walk by the Spirit. I mean, think about it. If you walk by the Spirit, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a simple equation, isn't it? Hard to live out. But guess what? Jesus died so we could figure it out. Jesus died so we could have the Spirit. Jesus died so that we could be set free from our flesh and actually take one step to walk by the Spirit and one less step to gratify the flesh, which we'll talk about in a moment. So I would encourage you to figure out what that means. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? All right. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those who are opposed, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, here's the picture I get in my head. Remember our dog, the flesh, our big old dog who's been working out? That's, you got, now this is, guys, if you take this analogy and really follow it through, it's going to be heresy. So just give me some freedom to mess around here a little bit, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> you got that dog chained up to you over here, but then you have another dog chained up to you. It's called the spirit. And you're kind of like this. And they're both pulling. And guess what? Here's the good and bad news about your life. Until you die, they'll both be pulling. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, they will both be pulling until you die. That's the good and bad news. The bad news is the flesh is still going to pull you. The good news is the spirit won't let you go. It'll be pulling you too. So then the question is, is which one's going to be more powerful? And we'll talk about that in a moment. So for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, 
this dog, then you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He's actually going to get into a list here. So if you're like, what does it mean to actually live by the flesh? I want to make sure I'm in good standing with God. So let me hear the list, you know, here, here's the list. All right. You can start checking these off in your head. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. You can figure out how each of those are different. Um, idolatry. You're like, well, we don't do that anymore. Sorcery. That's actually making a rise back. I just had a guy message me two days ago on Facebook for our church ads. And he's like, hey, I'd really love to talk to a pastor. And I'm like, sure. He goes, yes, I'm a, he said some word and I didn't know what it meant. I looked it up and I'm like, huh, I haven't heard of that. And I, I looked it up. And I wanted to make sure. So I had him tell me what it is. He goes, yeah, I worship Norse gods. And I went, oh, okay. He goes, but I'd still love to chat. So I'm going to talk to him, but I'm going to wait till after my service. And I'm going to pray against curses but I'm not afraid. I'm just going to be wise about it. Matter of fact, Penny's hometown, Nevada City, Grass Valley up here. I think we saw, wasn't it a couple years ago, we saw people wearing like contemporary shirts for like their, their like coven, <laughs> you know, like a church shirt, but you know, for witchcraft. So um, it's growing. So sorcery, enmity, Strife, oh, I've had strife. Jealousy, oh, I've been jealous. Fits of anger, rivalries, only in football. <laughs> yeah, go Kansas City, that's right, Chiefs. Dissensions, divisions, envy, envy, drunkenness. Uh-oh. Orgies. Okay, he didn't say smoking pot. I'm good. And things like these. Ah, oh, he said things like these. So maybe that covers smoking weed. Actually, there's a whole lot of other biblical reasons to not smoke pot. If you're ever curious, you can ask me. Um... When I was a young man, I went to rehab and I remember actually praying in there saying, God, why can't you just make me permanently stoned all the time? And then I wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> like you could just solve all my problems if you just made me high all the time. <laughs> and then I, I grew up. And I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm just saying that like that was where I was at. And I grew up and I realized, okay, I, I understand what's going on. Some of us, some of you, some of me have a tendency to be ruled by fun now. That's our fleshly desire. Fun now. Not later, now. And drugs factor into that quite a bit. So we look for reasons to, to figure out how to find those drugs and rationalize them. So, but realize he says, and things like these. So that, that's a big bucket to put a lot of things in. So it says, I warn you as I warned you before. And this is a scary verse, but I need you to understand that he's talking about a pattern here. And he's talking about an unrepentant heart here. 
I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's pause for a moment here. We're actually, we're going to double pause, but we'll first pause is this. And then we'll zoom into a pause. Or we'll double click. Isn't that what you do? Double click. Um, <laughs> if that's not important to you, the kingdom of God, that's okay. I actually prayed on the way here. I said, God, if I could have any kind of prayer today, it'd be this two things for, for tonight. Is that one, if you're already in the kingdom and you decided to make Jesus the boss of your life and you've yielded to him as Lord over your life and as Savior, like you're forgiven by him, then that you would be able to um, take your next step in growth and maturity and understanding how to battle the flesh by walking in the spirit. At least understand a little bit more. Two is, is that if you're kind of figuring this all out, which I'm so glad you're here. I'm not mad at anybody who hasn't figured this out, by the way. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm okay if you disagree. I'm just glad you're here sorting, all right? And that's what you ought to be doing. I sorted the atheists when I was young. I'm not encouraging you to go do that. But I'm saying I sorted and Jesus Christ spoke clear and loud and strongly. But, so I'm glad you're here. But my prayer is that the kingdom of God, you, a desire would start to grow inside of you for actually caring about that. Like the kingdom of God. What does that even mean? Do I even want that? You know, that you would actually desire to be a part of his kingdom. And let me tell you why. That you desire to be a part of his wonderful glorious, peace-filled. You ever want peace? Able to handle all the anxious and depressing-filled moments of life with resiliency. Kingdom. Because that is what God offers over time. It's the kind of kingdom that led Horatio Spafford to actually write the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, while traveling across the same waters where his four daughters drowned in a shipwreck. Going to meet his wife after that happened. And that's not all that happened. Two years prior to that, most of his real estate investments burned down in the Great Fire of Chicago. So he had a few bad years. He also had a son die of scarlet fever after that. And so, but the guy lived a life for the kingdom despite all that. He was resilient. Don't you want that? Resilience. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't mourn. It doesn't mean he didn't have horrible days. It doesn't mean it didn't face him. It doesn't mean like his, you know, he didn't like shrink in stature after those events. I'm sure he did. It just meant that he recovered. He healed. He assimilated it. And he walked forward in faith and hope in God knowing that not only will God restore him in the future, but restore him in this life. So now let's double click pause for a moment. Right now, I want you to answer a question. All right, I just want you to answer this question in your head. You're not going to say this out loud. If God showed up right now and asked you, what need can I provide for you right now? What would it be? Kind of like he's a genie and he's not, by the way, but let's pretend. He's a genie and he says, I'll give you one need right now. What would it be? And I'm not talking about the stuff like money, good grades, you know, a position, 
a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you know. I go deeper than that. Go deeper than that. Think about it for a second. I'll give you a moment. And I want you to hold that in your head. And I want to ask you a question. Do the practices that we just read about listed in Galatians, where it talks about the practices of the flesh, what's common to us, actually help you gain that? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. By the way, that is why people participate in sorcery. I don't know if you're aware of why that makes sense to some people. If we're talking about what makes sense to the people, it's because they want power over something or someone. And sorcery promises that. Strife, jealousy, fits of rage. Don't lie and tell me you haven't had a fit of rage to get what you want. I know I did when I was a baby, but I outgrew it pretty quickly. Just kidding. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. All right, now let's finish the passage and then get on to application here. All right, you with me, everybody? Need to do some jumping jacks? All right. (laughs) All right, here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit, okay, think about that word, the fruit of. It's not like you went, oh, I'm going to pick a fruit and eat it. It's the fruit, if you think the fruit of your labor, it's the benefit of having the Spirit in you. That's what that means. It means it, it's not something you can cultivate. It, it's, well, you can cultivate it, but it's cultivated because the Spirit actually lives in you. So the fruit, the benefit of having the Spirit in you, the outgrowth of that is love, joy. Joy is the best word in the world. Joy is the best word in the world. And it's a deep word. And it means a lot. And it's very, very, very different than happy. Joy. Peace. Oh, that's a nice one too. Patience. All right, I I have a need for that. Kindness. I have a need for that. Goodness. Faithfulness. I have a need for that. That, those are functional words. Those get me through my life. Self-control. That's a very functional word. Against such things, there's no law. Guess what that means? You can do these as much as you want. You can do it as much as you want. And those who belong to, to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So here's my application, and this is in your handout. First things first. If you haven't already, get free. Get what? Get free. Find the only real source of freedom from your flesh, and that is found in Jesus Christ and being filled by the Spirit of God. You won't be able to tackle the flesh on your own. You won't be able to, listen to this. This is a, this is a profound statement I'm going to say, okay? You won't be able to tackle the flesh by means of the flesh. 
may make some success, but guess what? Guess what Paul says in Galatians 4? You probably maybe looked at this last time. He says, well, if you do that, guess what? You have to now uphold every single part of the law to perfection. And good luck with that. You won't be able to do it. Not even the great Alex Honnold can do that. Sorry, that's my climbing hero. So. You guys know Alex Honnold? Okay. <laughs> uh, Mahomes, you know Mahomes, right? The great Mahomes. <laughs> Every quarterback tries to emulate in college now. Everybody, you and our fans here, you know, Wolfpack fans? Just kidding. <laughs> we have a terrible team this year. I think we're on a 15-game losing streak carried over from last season. But we still go to the games and we still cheer and we get sad. <laughs> and everybody around us is angry and sad because they care so much and they just hate to watch what's happening. But we still do it. Um, so let me, let me tell you a little bit about how to get free and why you can't do it yourself. When my daughter was young, I don't even know if she remembers this. I, some of you came this summer and I may have shared this then, but she used to ask me all kinds of questions about God and the gospel. And I think she might've been like a little bit advanced. She might've been fourth grade at this point. And she wanted to understand like why Jesus had to die and what is this whole thing about and what did he actually do? Why does that even matter? Can't God just forgive us? You know, these kind of things. And that was a lot easier to answer than like, is God bigger than that mountain? Is he bigger than that building? And the answer is yes, but it's a little more complex than that, you know, so. Um, <laughs> and then I remember coming in like sixth grade. All right, so how do we actually know our religion's the real one? <laughs> so I was like, oh. So anyways, um, it was a fun house. <laughs> And, uh, and, and I'm the kind of guy, as you could probably tell now, I like to answer those kind of questions. So I would go into it and Penny would be like, it's going on for a while now. You might want to, you lost them. <laughs> but Elliot, it's kind of like this. You go to your fourth grade class and your teacher says, Elliot, I need you to write a paper on the unification theory of light. You guys know anything about that? Light acts like a beam and like a particle. Okay, and apparently those two things can't happen at the same time, but they do. And so we need you to explain how they happen and why. It's kind of like trying to explain how two parallel lines meet, but they're parallel, so they can't. It's a little more complex than that. But anyways, so you have to write this paper, and I need you to translate it into French and German. And, if you, and, if, and we're going to grade it, and if it's not 100%, then it's an F. So Ellie goes home, she Googles a bunch, and she does all this research, and she works as hard as she can. She works as hard as she can at, in fourth grade to write this paper. And then she goes to Google Translate. She works as hard as she can to like translate it. And she turns in actually a valiant effort, like an astounding effort for a fourth grader. Like, I mean, great. Like Stephen Hawking's calling her, you know, and... Uh, and she turns in this effort, and then the teacher says, Elliot, is so good. You worked so hard, and you did it, but guess what? You fail. Because it's not 
It's not actually right. But then the teacher says, you know what though, Ellie? Stephen Hawking actually heard about what you were doing and he actually figured it out. And he decided to go and write the paper and then he called his buddies the leading like, I don't know if these are real people, but the leading like translators in French and German. And they translated his paper into both French and German and they went ahead and turned it in. And guess what? They said I could grade their paper and give you their score. And guess what? They got a hundred. So you pass. That's what Jesus did for you. He fulfilled the perfect life because you couldn't. He battled his flesh perfectly because you couldn't. He fulfilled all the law, loving your neighbor as yourself because you couldn't. He did all of that in the eyes of God. And then God, he now goes to God and says, you know, I'm Scott. He's like, God, don't grade Scott's life. Grade mine and give him my score. And God's like, well, that's great. I'm glad you did all that, but we still have a matter of justice that needs to be handled here. I mean, Scott still harmed some people. I didn't, but Scott may have even killed some people. I didn't, just so don't worry. You can, you can talk to me in a dark corner later. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, it, you know, Scott may have even killed some people and I, I can't just let that go. What about all those other people that were harmed by his actions? And he says, you know what? I, I also took care of that. I went ahead and died. And I will, I will take your wrath for that and put it on myself so that he can be free. And that's what Jesus did. And guess what? Scott, me, simply gets to say, God, Jesus, I've messed up. I'm not perfect. I've lived out of my flesh. I've lived out of what's made sense to me. And I actually realized, be, you know, in front of a holy, perfect God, I've been arrogant. I've tried to be my own God. I've tried to do what makes sense to me and it's actually wronged and hurt people, even if it's the smallest degree. And I am sorry. Meaning, I'm sorry, I wish I had the ability to never do that again. And will you forgive me? This whole Jesus thing. I just walked a guy through the gospel the other day and he committed his life to Christ right on the road by his car. And I was walking him through the, the prayer and we kind of said like that, God, I, 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 as much as I believe this whole Jesus thing, I believe that it counts for me. Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead, living a perfect life on my behalf. Will you forgive me? And God says he will. Now, there is a small, there, there's, there, there's also an addendum, not an addendum, now I'm, Looking like the people in Galatians, huh? <laughs> there is a heart posture. And here's the heart posture that takes place in that. It's not just wanting to escape punishment, but it's also like, hey, I want you to go ahead and be the creator that you were meant to be, God. So on a scale of zero to 10, zero, I'm unwilling, and 10, I'm the best person in the world willing. I'm willing to let you speak into all areas of my life, at least at a one. Let's start there. 
There's a heart posture. So will you forgive me and let me turn from what made sense to me and my flesh and start following your spirit? And here's what happens, guys. Here's what happens. That's when you crucify your flesh, which is the next thing on there. And I think I have a picture for this. So you have to crucify your flesh. And I actually imagine this. This is hard, guys, because the flesh makes so much sense to me. That's not the right grammar, is it? I need grammarly right now. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. But I actually imagine sometimes putting my desires and my perspective upon a cross that's ungodliness and thinking, God, just kill it. And I want to do what you want me to do. And will you help what makes sense? Will you help what's right to make sense to me? Because I'm having a hard time figuring it out right now. I'm in this civil war. And here's the civil war. I think I have another slide about this. Um, yeah, here we go. All right, you may not be able to see this very good, but here's your flesh V spirit, all right? This is a very emaciated dog over here. Now, when you first start walking with God, and again, if we take this too far, it's going to be heresy, okay? But just go with me. I think this is a helpful discipleship concept, okay? Meaning like this will help you make some traction. This may represent the spirit in you. It's weak meaning it's weakly connected to who you are. God's not weak, but it's weakly cultivated. It's weakly connected to who you are as a being. You know, it's, you don't listen to it that much yet and it doesn't have a huge voice. Like there's a lot that has to happen and God's really gracious about that. And so it's weak and it's starving and it's not that strong. And then here's your fit flesh who's not behind the mountain biker, but in front of the mountain biker. I met a guy on trail the other day who had this going on. And he's like, yeah, I take my dog on 10 mile rides all the time. And I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, that's a fit dog. So guess what? I walk into a room, I have both of these dogs. I mean, I want you to imagine this with me and here's the practicality of what I want you to think of tonight. I walk into a room and there's a decision that needs to be made. And all of a sudden, my flesh is telling me one thing and the Spirit's telling me the other. Who do you think is going to win in this scenario? Especially when it really matters, the, the, the flesh, right? But guess what? Guess what if I've decided to crucify this flesh? And again, this isn't 100% accurate, all right? I need to start starving this dog. And I need to start feeding this dog. And it takes time, right? Like just because I decide I'm not going to feed this dog doesn't mean it's weak tomorrow, right? It's going to take a little time. And just because I decide I'm going to start feeding and nurturing this weak dog, it doesn't mean tomorrow it can go run a marathon. It's going to take some time, right? So that interim is going to be pretty hard for me. It's going to feel like bondage a little bit too. It's going to feel confusing. I may even want to give up. Don't give up. And here's, the, here's, here's, here's my last point. You need to talk to someone about this. And here's what I mean by that. And here, if, as a matter of fact, I want to help you identify. If you can identify, this would be a gift to you, meaning to yourself, if you can identify this right now between you and God. If you can identify, what is an area that I need to starve my flesh? And what is an area that I need to grow the spirit in me? Cultivate the spirit in me. Get connected to the spirit of God. Then talk to somebody about it. 
a leader, a friend, someone who can help you. And I actually want you to text them tonight. Say, I need to talk to you. Or I need to talk to you about this. Now, the other thing is, is if you've identified that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you want freedom, then I want you to text someone too. Or I think it actually, in a few moments, you'll fill out a connection card and there's actually a spot to say, I'm going to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to actually do this. And here's the thing. Don't leave here tonight. If you have something you want to talk to, not all of you are going to have this, by the way, so I don't want to put any undue pressure on you. You're like, well, I don't really have anything I need to talk to anybody about, but he said I needed to, you know. Like, just don't get in your flesh, you know, and have to please me. But if you do, don't leave here tonight without at least sending a text and starting that conversation. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to go to sleep tonight. You're going to watch Seinfeld or something like that while you're going to sleep. I don't know what people watch. There's nothing on TV anymore, so you got to watch all the old stuff. Um, and then all of that will wash away because that's what happens to with our flesh. <laughs> it just kind of washes away those thoughts of like growth because that's hard. I get it. Trust me, I, I get it. So make sure you text someone. And make sure, guys, feed the spirit. Starve the flesh. And figure out what that means. I, I'm, I, this isn't a talk on how to figure that out. Figure that out. Ask God to help you. You know, Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things. He doesn't say, I suddenly was content in all things. So learn learn and be okay. Jesus died so you have time to learn. Isn't that great? You're free to figure this out. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your flesh. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you that you are real. Thank you that you actually came down to reveal yourself to us, to save us, Lord. You didn't even just come to save us, God. You came to actually declare the truth about God. And that truth saves us. So thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for living the perfect life, dying on the cross so we may be free. Thank you for filling us with your spirit, Lord, and giving us another way to live life besides what makes sense to our broken and damaged flesh. God, help us to learn God, help me to learn how to say no to my flesh and yes to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.